You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica Cox and this is actually our first podcast of 2021. Um, Planned to jump on last week, but it's been a pretty busy time at JCN as usual. And we wanted to start the year off to actually highlight a new package that we have at the JCN Clinic. But more than that, we want to dive into this really interesting topic at a time in the new year when a lot of you are being um, a little bit more interested and um, taking up different sorts of programs and plans and detoxes and maybe focusing on new year goals. So that being said, uh, today Alexa and I are going to be talking about holistic weight management, which is an interesting name in itself. And um, essentially our goal today is to really talk more about the underlying drivers of problems modifying your weight and that can be weight loss but also weight gain because it can swing either way and this is a topic that Lex in particular is super passionate about which is why she's joining me today. So let's let's sort of start Lex by talking about this whole concept of weight, weight management, whether it be loss or gain. And I think first and foremost, before we start to talk about some of these underlying core drivers, let's sort of discuss a little bit about the overarching area of of weight management, because, um, you know, there's, there's first, there's always firstly the the area of modifying our weight based on the basics of what we eat and how we move our body. And we want to sort of talk a little bit about that, but really we're going to be talking more about what happens when just those basics aren't working. But do you want to start by um, talking a little bit about that sort of the basics of of modifying our weight with um, how we eat just on an everyday basis and move our body and then we can kind of dive into the the rest from there yeah of course so obviously it's so important for us to eat an overall healthy balanced diet um, and have uh, you know a balanced um, amount of exercise included into our lifestyle when we have all of that in place and we can manage a really healthy weight then that's awesome but this is for anyone who struggles with their weight, um, who've noticed, you know, this sort of shift in their weight and they're doing everything right, they're ticking all the boxes, yet all of this stuff is happening and they can't seem to find why and it's also coupled with um, other signs and symptoms that they're seeing as well that's causing a lot of issues. So we need to really um, understand that sometimes with this whole um, managing weight, uh, a healthy weight, it's not just about like calories in or calories out. 
it's not just about you know having a healthy diet and exercising appropriately but we need to look at you know if there is these underlying drivers then they need to be addressed as well and the the focus isn't so much about the weight it's actually focused on the overall health of the person and um initially people they want to come in and they want to focus on the weight but it's also uh, all these other underlying issues as well that they want to focus on mm-hmm. so true yeah which is something we see at the clinic a lot and we often talk about is that the people that come to us at JCN are coming for a plethora of different health reasons, but we'll often see on their form one of the factors that they may jot down as well as far as a goal is something to do with weight loss. I would say more than um, weight gain, but we do we do see a little bit of both. But often what that's highlighting to us is that their issues with um, holding some extra weight are often tied in in these underlying other issues that are going on with their health um, but definitely as you just highlighted too we we need to sort of think about it as it's almost like a, a funnel or a, a pyramid where we or um, sort of like a, a, a layering whichever analogy you want to use but we've got the sort of top of the um, the pyramid where we need to look at the most obvious so are you are you eating well do you have a good whole food diet is you know as long as there's not like a whole lot of processed foods like all that sort of basics and also um, are you moving your body how are you moving your body and we are going to look a little bit at of course where calories fit into this because it, it still is part of the picture so we need to sort of look at where all of those things line up but a lot of the time what we see at clinic is that we we see these boxes realistically being ticked, but we're still seeing people hit a wall. And that's really what we want to talk about today. And again, you really, I think that's so important what you said there, Lex, is that um, the weight may be um, something that is a focus for the person and it may be written on their form or it might not even be there, but it's actually part of a sign from the body that things are out of balance. And that's probably the most important thing to us as practitioners. Exactly. I think like um, a lot of my clients, you know, they might initially come to see me for weight management or not. um, And they just put it on their form as like an extra. Um, But a lot of the times there is these other underlying issues. And then when we start to focus on those things, such as mood and energy is one of the two of the biggest things that I focus on with these clients and when we start to really improve the energy levels and really improve their mood you know the weight part of it is just like a bonus for them they're not too focused on that anymore um and all in all they just want to feel um better overall so that whole um focusing on weight isn't such a a main focus anymore but like I said like if it if we can improve that area, it's just like a little bonus for them. Mm-hmm. So true. Can I ask actually, just before we dive into these underlying causes, um, and it's just something that I just realized I don't think I've even asked you at a point. Yeah. This is such a passion area for you. Does it does it come from somewhere in particular? Like I think it's, you know, we've had Em on the podcast talking about mental health and 
Carissa, obviously with the hormone component, like, is there, this is often, a, this is, this is a big passion area for you, for you. Is there a major reason why? Is it just something that you feel is kind of coming to you as far as the types of clients that you see? I'm just curious as to the why. To be honest, when I started, when I first started practicing, it wasn't something that I was really interested in. Um, as you know, like I've always been, I always love working with mental health and gut as well and hormones, but I think they all sort of relate with um, weight. And I think um, people, the more and more I started seeing clients and stuff, I realized that weight is such a huge thing to people, no matter, you know, what society says or not it's something that is has been ingrained in people it's such a a confronting thing for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and instead of sort of one shaming them or two trying or just ignoring them and how they feel and just saying you know obviously there is a component to loving your body no matter what shape and size you are but when there's this like underlying root and they have all these other signs and signs and symptoms and they're going to the doctors and all the doctors are saying just lose the weight and they're finding it difficult to because they've got these issues then it becomes a real you know problem for them and they don't know where to look for help so as i started the more i practiced the more i saw clients and stuff i realized this was such a huge um area of concern for people um so that's where i think you know my passion came from was just realizing that a lot of this was people do find this a real issue and they don't know where to find the help so this is something that you know that's why I love to help people because it's it's sort of they come to us as almost a last resort yeah yeah for sure yeah cool that's that's really fascinating I love how it's actually grown out of your clinical experience and what you're seeing um because it's everyone's so different you know some people have um their own experience or background in certain areas and then yeah others sort of just grow and morph as we we see certain things in clinic so yeah that's interesting and you touched on there which um, I know we've talked about like the aspect of where this fits in the realm of being respectful of your body and not comparing your body to others and that that sort of whole space that we're really careful with when we talk about weight because we know that that's um, a whole nother kettle of fish. So um, it's... Definitely, we want to, you know, bring out the message that this is all about, um, you know, obviously there is that metabolic issue and that's what we're focusing on. We're not just focusing on the physical weight itself. Exactly. Um, And so we still encourage people to obviously love the body that they're in um, because you know, the way you think um, positive thinking has a huge um, impact on your body as well. So yeah. we definitely encourage that with people. Of course, of course. But today is about everything we've said to date. It's like keeping that all in mind. We're talking more about this metabolic dysfunction when it comes to this area. So let's start first. We've got essentially about a good five points that we want to discuss today in this area. And now what you're going to find is that as we talk through these, they're going to intermingle with each other like nothing else. And that's what we really love anyway, because everything is connected. Um, and I was just thinking, as I said that I'm obsessed side way with this 
oh, second two, three part series. If some people have listened, uh, have watched it on Netflix called Dark, <laughs> and it's oh, it's yeah. dubbed. It's amazing, and they always say everything is connected. <laughs> but if anyone's watched it, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about when you say that. But it's in this case and in everything which which we work with the body, um, all of these systems are interconnected. So as we talk through them, we're going to be kind of jumping in and out of each of them, which I think is really important for people to understand how essentially it's like a web that joins all of these factors. But some of them will be more pronounced in others and some of them are core driver areas that are affecting others and vice versa. So with that being said, let's talk first, Lex, do you want to talk about hormones, um, which is huge, but more in relation to our sex hormones and re- or slash reproductive hormones, um, that sort of androgen space, I guess, falls into that too and how this can be an underlying factor. Um, so this is, um, I guess, one of the most common reasons why um, people would come to see us in the clinic um, when it comes when it's related to uh, weight management. So we do definitely look at their hormones. Um, one of the biggest ones um, you'll find, say, with weight um, gain or difficulties shifting that weight is with um, excess estrogen or how some people like to refer it as estrogen dominant. Um, But really it's just uh, an excess estrogen in the body and then it stores in the fat tissues. And then you compare that to progesterone, your progesterone could be quite low as well. And you've got to look at progesterone as it sort of counteracts estrogen. Um, So a lot of the times there could be this excess estrogen um, causing this difficulty to lose weight. Uh, in both men and women, it's um, can be found. You know, both men and women they can find that they have the extra weight around the midsection, more on the thighs, more on the arms. So it is definitely um, something that we commonly see. Obviously, in women, other symptoms might be if you've got excess estrogen, it's like heavy periods. You might have clotting, uh, irritability, or depression before your period. You might have chronic period pain. So those are the few things that we like to look for as well um, if you were to have excess estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about the male reproductive hormones, so your high androgens, um, looking at high testosterone, high DHEAs, um, that can also be linked to having high insulin, which we'll talk a little bit further down the line. Um, again, can cause weight gain. Other symptoms, uh, signs and symptoms could be acne, excessive hair growth. Um, you know, so there, there is a number of things that could cause you to have this difficulty to lose weight. Um, and it can be related to like these sex hormones. For sure. And you've highlighted some really good underlying um, signs that people may see associated if this could be going on there. So if women in particular with some of those things you're talking about are finding that the weight they're holding is sitting in some of those key areas that you spoke about or and or they're also finding that they're getting a lot of uh, acne and cystic acne um, even if there's some of the classic sort of um, hair growth that you're talking about too that can be happening in those more male areas 
And then even for guys, like if they're getting, um, they're finding, oh, wow, I'm getting like this, this weight that won't shift, but it's sort of sitting around my chest area. So these are the sort of signs um, that we're looking for before maybe we even dive into testing and functional testing. Um, and they're really, they're really important sort of clues, essentially, that the body is giving us that there may be some form of imbalance with these hormones that Lex is talking about. Um, so if, if we suspect something like this is going on in the clinic, generally what we're going to do is I would say most times, um, where we can is look at some form of functional testing for hormones. Um, would you, would you agree Lex? Like once you're sort of suspecting this, getting that information is pretty paramount. Absolutely. That's why it's so important to take, you know, like careful case taking because we want to find the right test for that person. It's not exactly cheap functional testing. Um, And we also need to look at timing as well. Like, yes, there could be all these issues going on with their sex hormones. But if they've got these other even underlying issues, like even beneath all these hormones, such as, you know, gut function, which we'll talk a little bit um, as well. We need to obviously look in the gut first or we don't jump straight into hormones. We might be able to do a little bit of hormone work. Um, but yeah, like I said, if it is deeper than that, then we need to get to that core first before we can really focus and treating in the hormones. Because if we don't actually go in and treat the underlying cause to all of this, then we're not going to see those results or you know, we're not going to see um, these results being well managed in the long term so it's important to sort of like you said before unpeel those layers and really get to like that root cause of it all for sure so true so true and also with what i love too about the functional testing for hormones is when you do use it and um have those results come in they are so comprehensive and speak volumes to a lot of the, obviously the hormones will mention, but also all of their metabolites as well. And they just tell us so much about that relationship between the hormones. And we do have a podcast, which I can put in the show notes that talks a lot more about this um, and and, um, and what's involved in that test. But for, again, for us as practitioners to give you as a client the, the, the best treatment, um, this this can be such a valuable insight to what's going on. But absolutely, as you said, Lex, like it is always in context with these other factors um, that we need to weigh up to because we all know too that functional testing isn't cheap to get done and we want to make sure that you're doing the test when it needs to be done and, and spending the money on it at the right time. Of course, yes. It's so important also to relate it back to the client, you know, so... Obviously, a test is one thing, but we take their case, their signs and symptoms that what they're telling us, um, it's it's so important to listen to that and then try and correlate that back to the test. Yeah, absolutely. So with the still that hormone space, the other area that we do see a lot of uh, is thyroid and I feel like for listeners, it's probably an area that they may be aware of. Like it's obviously a space that um, 
people tend to know a little bit more about, um, probably more when we have a sluggish underactive thyroid than an overactive. Um, and look, it's, it's, it's such a, a debatable <laughs> topic or a very much talked about uh, area for us at the clinic as practitioners, because we, we really always want to know what's going on with this really important gland. And it can be, and often is uh, a problem with us trying to get more of a um, overall picture of what's happening with this gland when we're trying to do it just through general blood testing. But that's, I guess that's something for us to touch on absolutely and let people know what we want to look at. But first, do you want to just let our listeners know a little bit about how um, the thyroid is wound up in potentially some of these underlying problems with either weight loss or um, weight loss issues or weight gain issues? Yes. Um, so the thyroid itself, um, it is responsible in regulating our uh, metabolism <laughs> and um, thermogenesis. So it helps, you know, um, regulate our temperature. Um, it also helps metabolize things like fats and sugar. So if you're looking at your thyroid and you've got imbalances there in your hormones, if it's not, you're looking at your thyroid, um, the negative feedback loop, if that's not functioning well, then you can consider to have an impaired met- uh, metabolic function, um, it, especially if you've got these signs and symptoms, particularly you know if you've got weight uh, gain or weight loss issues, coupled with you know other issues um mood issues sleep issues um if we're being more precise if you're looking at an overactive thyroid so that is um considered as hyperthyroidism this is generally um you would see someone uh lose weight um unexplained weight loss or lose weight rapidly and that could be due to an underactive thyroid gland um this, you know, again, can cause other issues, it can cause sleep difficulties, it can cause excess sweating, irritability, anxiety. So, you know, you look at it, okay, awesome, it increases our metabolism. <laughs> well, not really, because then you get all these other issues come along with it. So we definitely don't want that. Um, uh, when you look at an overactive thyroid, it is because it's um, overproducing a thyroid hormone, thyroxine. Um, so yeah, we definitely want to keep that in check. We want to check those levels and make sure it's not being overproduced. And then you're looking at a underactive thyroid, and this is considered as hypothyroidism. Um, this is when you start to see more of a weight gain picture. Um, difficulties losing weight. Um, you also will see someone who might experience more fatigue, more sensitivity to the cold. They might experience more constipation, or so a sluggish bowel movement, uh, low mood, more depression, dry skin. All of those signs and symptoms can be more um, linked towards more a uh, underactive thyroid. So um, that being said, if you know, goes back to like, if you have any of these imbalances in your thyroid, you will see um, these signs and symptoms come up. And again, it's not, it might not just be because of your thyroid, it could be something else deeper within, it could also be issues with your gut, Um, it could be, you know, causing issues, they do have a relationship with your sex hormones, progesterone as well, if you don't have enough of that, your thyroid 
can be impacted. So again, looking at the root cause and why that's happening. Um, so that is more of like thyroid hormonal imbalances. If we're thinking about um, more autoimmune conditions, you've got Hashimoto's, which does tend, uh, it is more of the hypothyroidism picture. And then you've got Graves' disease, which is more of the um, hyperactive thyroid. Um, that if someone does have high antibodies for those, then we obviously want to treat them a little bit different to how we would treat someone with just a thyroid imbalance. Perfect. Awesome. And also, I think you've really classified all of those areas quite nicely there. Um, I would just say that what we often are looking at in a clinical setting is all spectrums of those um, particular arms of thyroid dysfunction. But we're often looking at where someone may be leaning or setting um, within ranges that might be um shifting them in a certain direction but not you know may not be diagnosed specifically as being hypo or hyper or potentially graves or some of those things that you mentioned so you know this is this is what we're all about is preventative care so if we can see through thyroid testing that you are showing signs of a more sluggish thyroid or a little bit more overactive or some some signs of of that going on it the and this is where blood testing is so vital if we can see this yet you may you may not be classified by um a sort of medical model standard of being a hypothyroid um condition but we can look at your blood panels, your TSH in combination with your thyroid hormones, your T3, your T4, your reverse T3, um, also your antibodies. And we can get a really good understanding of like, actually, when we look at this, we can see that your TSH is a little raised and your hormones aren't looking that crash hot in the ranges. So yes, this is a bit more of a sluggish thyroid situation, but absolutely nothing that probably your GP is going to flag until it starts to get out of range. And then they're going to start using the word uh, and all the terms of things like being hypo um, thyroid. And I just, I think that's really important to, to note. And it's something that I was just, I guess, saying at the start of this particular topic, is because we do struggle with this, to be honest, at clinic, because we want so often our clients to get a complete thyroid panel. And unfortunately, you generally, um, due to the way Medicare is set up, you can only get um, a TSH. And if that comes back abnormal, then a GP will go and do the rest um, of the panels and may not even still even do antibodies. Um, and we, we know from when we can get the full panel tested that very commonly TSH is fine, um, but there's actually some strong imbalances with the, the hormones themselves or, um, again, with those antibodies. And I know from years of clinic, you know, seeing all different spectrums of that. Um, and some, look, some GPs, as I know Lex would have experienced too, some are great and um, will do some of those extra tests based on symptoms for a person. But unfortunately, it can be a wall you come up against. And we, we actually really encourage our clients to 
ask to have if you know of all the things that Lex is saying and um, or even if you're seeing a practitioner that's speaking about this to ask your GP for the full panel and then um, offer to pay the gap because geez we see a lot of variations in this thyroid panel don't you think when TSH is fine and the rest is like a dog's breakfast <laughs> Mm-hmm. They start to educate themselves on all of this and then they go to their GP and they want more um, information and it can be frustrating because um, if the GP sort of looks at their TSH and like you said, if that's all fine, but then the T3 might be out and they won't test for it, it's like how they're going to find that. So unfortunately, yes, um, there is a little bit more difficulties in getting those tests, but it's so important, I think, um, especially if you do... Um, have those signs and symptoms um, for one of those um, underactive or overactive thyroids. For sure. And, you know, just sort of lastly in this area, um, I mean, there's so many people over the years, but two that come to mind, one, a male client of mine who um, TSH right through to their their T4, their T3, even reverse T3, like those basic the hormones were fine, but when we finally got the antibodies done, that's where the problem lied. So it it was a deeper it, a deeper shift um, with the thyroid for more of an autoimmune response. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I can think of another client, a lady who, when we finally got her full panel done, that it was her reverse T3, which was hugely problematic. So it's just, yeah, you can't base um whether the thyroid is functioning well or not just off a tsh and what we're going to do in the clinic is um and obviously with obviously the podcast today is we're going to be looking at some of those major symptoms um and signs from the body that that lex has mentioned um, that can be a really big clue to go in and, and and get some investigation done here hope you're enjoying the show so far I'm just popping in your ears in between to let you know that my cookbook Eat is now available with free shipping for a limited time only for Christmas. We're also offering gift wrapping. So if you'd like to have the book wrapped and sent with a special little message, let us know when you make your purchase and we can do that for you. If you'd like to grab a copy, just head to the website at www.jessicacox.com.au. On with the show. Yeah, most definitely. I think it's really important, like you were saying before, with your clients. Like I've had a number of clients with the same sort of situation where their TSH has been fine, but their signs and symptoms, you know, say otherwise. And then we've gone to do further testing, which they've had to pay for, but it was well worth it because, yeah, yeah I've seen raised RT3. I've, I've seen um, antibodies when everything else has been within range. So it's definitely something to consider investigating um should you need to that's it yeah and you know i'd even say i know we need to move on from this area it's such a big one on its own but (laughs) the other thing i look for too is what those antibodies are doing in the range like i think you know again we have reference ranges but if you've got antibodies that are just sitting under the reference range like that's still a pretty strong expression of some antibody action so that's again as i guess preventative care something that we're looking at like just because 
it's clocking in just under the um, the reference range, you know, and, and it can often be just sort of gone, um, just put aside and go, yep, yep, fine. There's nothing to look at here. But we want to look at those parameters, even from an antibody perspective. So um, let's talk about insulin. You mentioned insulin in relation to androgens. Um, do you want to just explain a little bit about insulin and its relationship here? And I know people will have heard of insulin, um, but it's, yeah, if you can give a little bit more info there, that would be wonderful. Yeah. So I realized like as we got to insulin, I think like all of these points are are really, um, common, uh, you know, cases that we see in the clinic, not just the sex hormones, um, but insulin being another biggie, it is a pancreatic hormone. Um, it helps with breaking down our fats, our protein. It takes our food and converts that food to energy for the body to use. And then it helps, you know, stabilize blood sugar. So when there's too much insulin in the body, it can lead to something called insulin resistance. Um, so that essentially um, causes issues, you know, for our fat, our liver, and our muscle to actually um, utilize our blood sugar. So then that gets stored in our fat. Um, it can also trigger, going back to our androgens, it can trigger excess androgens in the ovaries. Um, so all of that can then cause more, um, particularly abdominal fat, and, and again, still excess um, fat in the thighs, on the arms as well. So it is this ongoing cascade of events when you do start to get insulin resistance. Um, you know, if we sort of move away from just the weight component, it can impair ovulation. Um, it can, again, you know, it does... Um, cause the ovaries to make more testosterone instead of estrogen. Um, so then that's when you start to get the more androgen um, signs and symptoms. You get more of the hair growth, the acne. Um, what else? It does, you know, it stimulates our pituitary to make more luteinizing hormones, which then again creates more androgens. So it's just constantly creating more of this androgen um, picture. And then it also can um, lower our sex hormone binding globulin, which is, you know, that androgen binding protein, um, again, leading to more unbound testosterone. So all of that, you've got all of these um, issues going in the body with just androgen, high androgens, um, causing um, more of these cascades of issues and then causes more um, difficulties in losing that weight. Um, so, yeah, that's... The, <laughs> that's insulin resistance um when you got too much insulin going in in the body mm-hmm. yeah great and i think the biggest thing there you've just highlighted is how it's absolutely intertwined with what's going on with those other hormones um it's 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 a big um player and they kind of you know a lot of the time they, they will come together and it's something that we need to again as practitioners be respectful of and look at what we're dealing with and and how much of a role insulin is playing in relationship to these other hormones um what about what about if you're um suspecting that someone has issues more so with insulin like what what i guess two questions like testing um that might be considered here 
and also um, some of the signs besides, I guess, the ones that we've mentioned um, in regards to androgen excess, any sort of maybe other signs that the body might be giving that insulin may be playing quite a, a large role? Um, well, definitely blood sugar dysregulation. Are you talking more about like signs and symptoms or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, And what about as far as testing? I guess the main thing there um, is obviously looking at blood sugar uh, testing as far as, yeah, looking at getting people's bloods done and also... Yeah, like if you were to test glucose, it won't tell you much about Mm. the insulin because you are just testing Exactly. So I would definitely want to test the fasting insulin. Again, Mm -hmm. going back to testing, it can be a little bit tricky to ask this um, from your GP. Sometimes um, GPs won't do it and they will just um, test your glucose. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to tell them a little bit more about your signs and symptoms, explain to them what's going on here. And you can even uh, give them a little bit of the research that you've done behind it. And then that can prompt them a little bit more to test your fasting insulin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. And often what we try and do with our clients is we'll send them off with a referral letter that will write up and write a little bit about these signs and symptoms that are going on and that can be really helpful too but yeah there's a lot to be said by having a bit more of your own information and and asking for these things because if you don't ask you don't get a lot of the time <laughs> exactly we've definitely learned that <laughs> yes so uh the next area we want to touch on, surprise, surprise, um, is digestion. So another massive area and very much interwoven with everything we've talked about to date. So, yeah, do you, again, Lex, do you want to sort of speak a little bit first about how digestion, really what we're talking about here is poor digestion or issues with um, gut health issues may be tied up with seeing these metabolic issues with with holding on to weight or again um, in this area too we may see um, people not being able to gain weight. Yeah so I guess first we'll start off a little bit about say if someone has poor nutrient absorption so looking at, you know, if they have, um, if they're not making enough digestive enzymes, if they've got low stomach acid, 
they're not able to digest the foods that they're eating, even supplements as well properly, and they're not um, able to absorb the nutrients from that food. We need those nutrients to create energy, to burn the fat. Um, those nutrients, you know, are needed for our energy pathways, our Krebs cycle. Um, otherwise, if we're not able to create that energy and burn the fat, then it will store as fat, right? Mm-hmm. So that's definitely um, a common thing that I would see if people have issues um, losing weight and they've got this gained weight that they can't explain why. It, we do have to look at the gut and how they're digesting and absorbing their food. Um, it also can result to um, if someone is, you know, got poor nutrient absorption, it can swing the other way as well. So people can have difficulty um, putting on weight as well because of these digestive issues. So it's not the same in everyone, but we do need to look at like how their digestion is. Um, that's really important. And obviously how they are digesting and absorbing certain types of nutrients like the protein, fats and carbohydrates. Um, if we're looking at more as like in the microbiome, um, there are certain types of bacteria, even yeast, um, that like to feed on sugar they, and fats as well. So they will crave those, those foods. You as a person would just think, oh, I just, you know, I crave those foods all the time or I need to eat like every couple of hours or something. A lot of times that can stem from the gut, um, particularly say if you've got an overgrowth bacteria, um, or overgrowth um, yeast as well, they can be the drivers to you having these cravings, which then causes you to eat more and then obviously increases those calories. And you tend to, um, you tend to uh, have those foods that are more processed, you know, again, those more sugary refined foods is what you normally go to. Um, so again, that's not going to help you with your um, metabolism. Um, and then, Going back to if someone has, um, you know, this rapid weight loss and they can't explain why and then we look at their gut, you know, it could be because of a parasite, it could be of certain types of bacteria again, you know, one that I can think of is H. pylori, that's a really big one, Um, I've seen a lot of clients who've had that and they've had rapid um, weight loss and, you know, obviously can be a little bit scary Mm. and alarming if someone, if they're quite thin as well and they start to lose any more weight um, they can be a little bit concerned so all of those things we need to look at um, gut health as number one Um, going back to looking at like your hormones and stuff like if we've got impaired gut um, and we're not able to excrete any of the excess estrogen um, that can also contribute to imbalances in our hormones as well so going back to that we need to really work on the gut before we can work on the hormones Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a massive area. It's just huge. And, um, I think, so the only other thing I would mention there because it's such a big topic is, um, you know, we would, as always for us with our case taking, we'd be looking at all of this, the signs that the gut is giving us. And you mentioned, um, about some of those, um, weight, uh, sort of loss concerns if people aren't being out they're losing weight too much like that can even come back to what's going on with the bowels like you might be someone who experiences um, a lot of looseness and diarrhea and for some people from a metabolic perspective um, 
you know, their food is literally rushing through really quickly and they're not getting that, that storage capabilities and not getting all of those nutrients and macronutrients that Lex was speaking to. So depending on someone's metabolic typing, that is something that we may see. Um, but also into the sort of realms of the microbiome and the gut again, um, and this is something that we see in clinic all the time is that often if we have these microbiome um, imbalances, we're dealing with a lot of inflammation in the gut. And with that inflammation, um, what we tend to see is that there is a lot of, of swelling and bloating and, and fluid. And that that tends to happen systemically within the body but a lot of the time we do see that around the abdominal uh, area and um, I know that a lot of clients will think that they are holding weight in that area and it actually can be a lot of inflammation and fluid Um, and we do see this where when you start working on the gut and improving the microbiome and reducing inflammation that you'll see a rapid change with that type of inverted commas sort of weight in that area where it is actually more of an inflammatory um, response Um, but also I would say that I mean, that's, that's one part, which I would sort of, why I say inverted commas, I don't, it's not really fat. It's like a, a, a response of fluid, but also when you have chronic ongoing inflammation, it's like, it's like a handbrake and it kind of flows into a lot of things we've talked about already where say with your thyroid reverse T3 um, is like a handbrake to your metabolism to just sort of stop everything. And inflammation is a stressor, a major stressor. So it doesn't make sense to your body. And again, everyone's a little bit different, but for a lot of people that we see, your body is not going to want to let go of, um, of fat and burn fat, which is essentially like a stored energy, um, if it's under inflammatory stress. So it's, it's actually more advantageous to your body if it feels like it's under stress, which we'll be talking about as our last point is stress in general, to hold on to that fat mass. So if you have ongoing inflammation that's coming from your gut, uh, it's, it's very common that you'll get the body holding on from a, I say to my clients, it's like a protective mechanism along with this, um, this fluid. So it's, it's, it's almost like a twofold response, um, that is very interwoven with all of these other areas too. And that like, I'm sure you get it all the time. Like how many clients do you work with work on their gut and then after treating their gut they they say that they say oh my god I just I feel less inflamed yeah that's literally what they say and they you know it's not the weight that they've actually lost but they've lost a lot of fluid lost a lot of inflammation not only they they feel better they look better um so that's why the gut is such an important area to focus on um so yeah, I definitely, for anyone who struggles with weight um, and has some sort of gut issues, we definitely want to look at that first. Absolutely. And we'll do that constantly at the clinic. Like even if someone books in for a hormone package or comes for hormone issues, we're always going to be starting at the gut. And um, I, you will often, even with, again, functional testing, we'll stagger testing in that way. Like it would be 
on the rarer side that we would dive into, as I was saying earlier, functional testing for hormones off off the bat, if we can see there's gut issues, we'll often spend a good sort of, um, yeah, at least sort of eight to 12 weeks of some foundational gut work before we would start doing that hormonal work. And that's for those reasons that Lex was speaking about and alluding to where, you know, fundamentally, as far as detoxifying and excretion of hormones, if you don't have a healthy gut to deal with that, then you're kind of going in um, at a level that doesn't make sense. So it's paramount, absolutely paramount. Yeah, you just, um, you allow that opportunity for those toxins and those excess hormones to recirculate in the body. Yeah. Which becomes a little bit um, more of an issue, you know, if you're doing all this gut, um, sorry, if you're doing all this hormone work and your gut's not functioning well, mm-hmm. it's part of uh, your detoxification pathways, your phase three. You're not mm-hmm. able to excrete all of those excess um, hormones and toxins, then uh, you won't see good results from that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And you can cool. often just stir up a bit of a storm if you <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. try and go in and do that. So, yeah, the gut. I mean, the gut. Obviously, we're all just super passionate about the gut, but it is it is often realistically, if we had to pick out of these areas, the kind of core concern and then usually these other arms will shoot off that and not all the time but majority of the time we're going to find that there'll be some element of gut that's linked to to these um, other components so I mentioned stress um, and obviously it's like stress pops up in anything you talk about health wise and there is a reason that Uh, (laughs) it's one of the hardest things to target because obviously um, we can do so much with the person in front of us, um, with mm-hmm. all of that we've sort of mentioned, but stress is something that we can help educate them on. Um, but it does take, it's sort of, it's a lot that they have to do on their own, um, mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a lot of external stress that's impacting, um, our body. So yeah, it's, I do find it one of the trickiest ones, um, but after you know educating the client and explaining to it, we start to slowly, slowly see some uh, stress management um, improvements, and that's really helpful when that happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, it is it's so hard. And even speaking back to the hormone testing that we use, which is the the Dutch testing, majority of the time it does measure um, your your cortisol and your DHEA and you know, whenever you get those results, it's often a conversation with clients about um, what we can do to help facilitate a, a healthier response there and to maybe build build up or downregulate. But ultimately, the, the biggest factor that's going to influence that is lifestyle um, and, and addressing stress in your life. And that is one of those things that sounds so easy um that when you're asking people to change lifestyle habits and stresses um particularly when it's family and work and and all of the different things it's just not so simple but you know i I guess fundamentally as far as stress goes and how it affects our body from a metabolic perspective do you want to just speak a little bit to that yeah so um Cortisol is our, I would like to call it our anti-stress hormone. Um, It actually helps our body deal with stress. 
Um, a lot of the times, if you are experiencing chronic stress or if you had um, chronic stress over a long period of time, that cortisol can increase and then be dysregulated. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, it is a dysregulated HPA access that you're looking at. So your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. Um, when that becomes dysregulated, it can dysregulate your metabolism. Um, and that is ultimately um, affects everything that we've spoken about today already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, going back to insulin, if you've got too much cortisol, um, it can release too much insulin. Um, and then again, dysregulate your blood sugar and then causes issues with your metabolism. Um, I have seen, you know, obviously um, it shifts the other way as well um, with people who have increased stress and then they can lose a lot of weight initially in the, the first part. Um, and later on, if they don't address that stress, then they can actually um, have difficulty losing weight after um, gaining a lot of weight. So we definitely don't want to see a dysregulation in that. We want to help manage that cortisol um, as best as possible. Um, Cortisol, stress, all of that um, has a huge impact on our thyroid. Our Mm -hmm. thyroid really um, responds to stress. So we do want to make sure that um, we manage that so that we don't... um, sort of aggravate our thyroid hormones Mm -hmm. um so yeah those are probably the few main things that with stress and how it it, it impacts our metabolism absolutely yeah they're they're two massive massive offshoots to that stress and that dysregulation that happens which as we said at the start just starts to weave that web between all of these areas and you know we you, you we do see and i'm sure people have seen themselves how strongly stress can um, inhibit these areas and um, I'm sure maybe everyone whether someone's experienced it themselves or they know of someone where they have um, made a change in their life and reduced stress or the classic gone on holidays for a couple of weeks and just relaxed um, and ironically had more maybe of a relaxed diet than they usually would and they've come back two or three kilos lighter um, because of that reduction of stress. So it really, it really is quite powerful in how it can disrupt these other hormones in the body. And as Lex said, you know, these, these hormones that are being released due to stress, like they have their reason and they are really important players in, in how the body functions daily, but it's that constant dysregulation and, the body responds like it, it responds for a reason it puts in these these again like these handbrakes along the way whether it's thyroid or obviously with the the sort of relationship to our sex hormones or our, our insulin like it, it responds for a reason it's a protective mechanism but you know if it's if it's constant and it's all the time we see this dysregulation so we have to look at the level of how stress um, may be interwoven with all of this and how we then work to um, implement mechanisms from a lifestyle point of view um, and then anything we can do as well to support that. And, and there are things like we do have some pretty amazing tools in our toolbox for supporting neurotransmitter function and supporting the adrenals and you know whether it's building things up or again, down-regulating, we can definitely help. 
but there is nothing as powerful um, as the lifestyle changes and um, the the sort of activities that we can do on a daily basis to just tap out <laughs> of our um, overactive sympathetic nervous system and um, do a little bit of downtime. Yeah, for sure. I think it's so important for people to hear that because they can do, you know, all of this other work. Mm. Um, but if we're trying to treat like, you know, everything that we've spoken about today, we don't address the stress, it's going yeah. to be really difficult to... Um, help improve all the other issues going on in the body yeah Um, yeah our body responds to stress more than we can even imagine even just like the smallest amount of stress if we're constantly feeling that every single day Mm. um and keep raising that cortisol then it sort of impairs every um like other pathway to its best capacity yeah absolutely so true man we could talk about that to the cows come home as well (laughs) I feel like it's a zone that obviously everyone in our in our sort of modern society struggles with. But I even think about with as practitioners, some you know, and I've known over the years plenty of practitioners that fall into the space of knowing better how how much stress is an issue, but then trying to just control it with, um, I guess, just supplements alone or. Um, just a really, you know, just give me a really good herbal tonic and I'll just smash that. <laughs> you know, it's, yes, these things, they do help um, get us through and take the edge off at times. But again, there's nothing like um, really taking a step back and looking at, I need to make some changes here. And that can be the hardest thing to do, but engaging with, your practitioner or whoever it needs to be to help you put some plans in there. Or sometimes it's taking the space to have a bit of a break and think about what do I need? Like, how do I need to restructure my day-to-day life to make sure that I'm not a a ball of stress because Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, um, it's so vital in all of this. And that, I guess that leads us into exercise. Like when we're looking at exercise, it can be, mm. you know, a stress reliever for a lot of people. But we need to understand what type of exercise is appropriate for us. Mm. So, you know, if Good you point. are someone who has um, high insulin, high cortisol, um, then you don't want to be doing high intensity interval training every single day. You don't want to be further increasing that cortisol. Um, having a really good balance is really important. So finding something like yoga or um, low-intensity resistant training is going to be a better um, exercise program for you. Mm-hmm. But then someone who doesn't have those issues might deal better with those high-intensity interval training and they might actually feel a lot better on those um, types of exercises. So that, you know, exercise is so important, but we need to understand what's actually going to um make us feel better and actually um, work with what um, our body is doing um, at the time as well. Yeah, so true, so true, which kind of goes all the way back to the start of that, you know, the the basics of calories and and, and movement and why if someone's like flogging themselves movement-wise and exercise-wise, it's like, it's not working, it's not working and highlights again, this might be why. (laughs) I know, I have quite a few clients who... You know, they come to me and how I was saying, they tick all the boxes, they're doing everything right, they're exercising, they have PTs, yet nothing is happening, they don't understand why, and it's looking at, okay, what type of exercise are you doing, is this exercise appropriate for 
for you and what's going on with your body at the moment. Yes. Um, really important. So but, true. You know, any type of movement, like we do, we must move. Like you, you can't, I don't think you can expect too much um, with changing your weight issues if you're not moving, moving. So mm. it is really important to factor that into your lifestyle. So, yeah, for sure. And actually that feeds nicely onto, as we sort of wrap this up, the uh, holistic weight management package that we've um, released at the clinic, because as part of that, as an optional extra, it does include a movement plan with um, Michelle, our resident PT. But why I bring that up sort of first and foremost is that, you know, we're finding someone who recognizes those other really important components of what's going on with your body and your metabolism is so vital. There's, you know, there's, there's other PTs out there, of course, that are respectful of this, but it is just something that I know um, for her that I've spoken to and I know you too, where it's working with clients who have these goals, but knowing what's right for their body, like making sure that if there's a plan that you're working on with a personal trainer, that that plan is suited to your needs and it's not pushing you too much. Um, it's, it's very much catered for what your body is capable of, which I think is so important. Um, but do you want to, yeah. Do you want to let, um, our listeners know about the, the sort of specifics of the package, because it is really all about addressing what we've talked about today. But if you can give a little bit of an insight into that, it would be awesome. Yeah, so it includes um, three consultations all up, um, uh, the initial consultation and then two standard follow-ups. So the first um, consultation will go through a really comprehensive case-taking um uh, discussion where we'll go through, you know, your signs and symptoms, what your goals are, and then we'll work through a treatment plan with you. And obviously, everything that we've spoken today, that's the things that I'm looking for. So if this sort of um, rings alarm to you, then obviously reach out because this, these things we do want to address before we can even move further. Um, then we come up with a treatment plan, like I said, and we sort of start that protocol. And then with your two other follow-ups, we start to look at what the next steps are, how you're progressing and what else do we need to do if we need to do further testing, um, if we do need to focus on certain other areas and then move on to a different area. Um, it's really important to do that. Like I said, start unpeeling those layers. Um, if you know, obviously, if we do have deeper underlying issues, it might take a little bit longer than those three um, consultations. But the three consultations is a really good start to mm. getting um, to working out what's going on in the body. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's a good space that sort of conducted over about two months, give or take, is, is sort of where we're, we're aiming for people to, to slot those in for addressing really smartly any of those underlying causes and yeah in that in that sort of first really extensive consultation Lex dives deeply into everything we've talked about today and then um, based on what she sort of pulls from that it, it is about sort of highlighting and investigating from there so it's a it's such a great package and we're actually really excited about it because we've wanted to put something like this together for a while. Um, and it's just, I think it's been a combination of 
the right person um, and also um, putting it together in a way that we felt was respectful of this space because we know when we start talking about this and putting things up even from um, a social media point of view so people know about it we want people and we want you to understand where we're coming from with this um, and yeah I think you know this package it's it's not something that we've designed that is about anything to do with the disordered eating space or anything like that like that's a completely different realm we've got page um on board to deal with with those sorts of concerns in this space this is as we've really dived into deeply completely different and very much needed there's there's actually the irony is you can jump on um i guess to social media or onto the internet and and look for assistance with weight loss and you you're really not going to find a lot that's about this level of investigation um so i think it's a fantastic um program that's been put together or package and um i just think for anyone yeah who who wants to really look at this this is the way to go about it and as a package it's awesome we always try and put them together so it does give you um a bit more of a a discount essentially by um from a, you know the point of view of the the costs and savings um, and so forth. But if you have any questions about the package itself, just hit us up. Mainly hit up Lex. <laughs> um, you can hit me up too, but realistically, I'm going to send you to Lex because she's the lady. And um, just ask her. Just you can find her. Her details will be in the show notes. But you can just message her on socials, or you can just email us at the clinic um, through reception, and they can pass that on. And she's going to be more than willing to answer any questions if it's something um, related to the package, or just even if you're thinking it's something you'd like to investigate and you're not sure if the package is right for you. Just, you don't know. And unless you ask, as we said. Yeah. And to be honest, I actually get, you know, quite a few clients who just book in for an initial consultation. Mm. Um, and then they, you know, obviously want to do the package. So it is, that is a possibility as well. So if you're unsure, do you can do an initial and then we can put you onto the package as well. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that I have missed that you wanted to add, Lex, before we finish up? Um, no, I think we covered quite a bit today. We did. <laughs> I mean, you know, we could go on and on, like there's so much more, but I think that's why it's good for our listeners to understand the basis of all of this mm-hmm. um, and if they and should they need to um, look further into it, then that's why it's important to have the... Um, the consultation so then they can really dive into their health absolutely yeah well i would just yeah i would just add to the end that with the package if you are interested it is available internationally like we do a lot of what we do online now um so just do keep that in mind for anyone that's listening outside of australia but otherwise um thank you so much for joining us today and if Yeah. And if you have any questions in general or any feedback for us, um, please let us know. Um, You can find all of the JCN uh, practitioners on their socials, which we always put in the show notes. 
And um, we always love to hear from you and um, love it when you share these episodes too on your social so more people can find out about the JCN Clinic podcast show. And particularly with this one, um, we'd, we'd love you to share this one because it's some really valuable content that more people need to know about. But thank you so much for listening and um, thanks Lex for joining me today. Thank you. <laughs> See you later, everyone.